think a lot of people were talking about the uh, death of Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade over the weekend and talking about how, you know, shocked, you know, we all are that this these are successful people that take their own lives. And the reality is that high profile suicides, they actually cause an upswing of other suicides. It's suicide contagion. So that is a risk that we're all facing right now. I was reading in the New York over the weekend some shocking stats that we are statistically more likely to kill ourselves than we were 10 years ago. And uh, that, that to me is amazing. But a new Center for Disease Control and Prevention report shows that a vast increase in American suicides over the past decade um, it asserts that 54% of suicides reviewed didn't have a previously known mental health issue. Also shocking. Another shocking stat I read was the highest rates are white men in their 50s and 60s. So you think, okay, middle age, we're through it all. Not so much. And suicide is on the rise nationwide in the States. Claims more American lives each year than automobile accidents. Now that is a worrying stat. Also read uh, a a great piece in wellandgood.com that features our guest now, Megan Devine, who is a psychotherapist and author of It's Okay That You're Not Okay. And it's about how to talk to people that may be depressed. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Uh, You know, I I don't think I'm alone uh, when I say that if I know that someone's going through a tough time, I try to talk them up and, you know, raise their spirits, but apparently that is the worst thing to do. What should we do when people are feeling down? It is, isn't it? It's, it's such a weird thing. We think that, oh, somebody's feeling sad. Let me cheer them up. Let me tell them how smart and beautiful and uh, creative they are. And that actually backfires. Depression or um, feeling overwhelmed with life isn't usually a crisis of confidence, Right. Um, And when we're trying to cheer somebody up, what they really hear is, you don't understand what it's like to be me. If you're really sad or you're feeling really overwhelmed, and I'm telling you you're beautiful and smart and resourceful, I'm going to think you have no idea what it's like to be me. And, um, you know, sometimes we also think like, oh, those people on the outside, they don't really know who I am on the inside. Maybe I put up a good front, but that's not actually real. So So cheering cheering somebody up can really backfire. Yeah. Yeah, what should we do? A much better approach is to say, you know, if I come to you and I say I'm having a really hard day or, you know, I'm really wrestling with this issue, it's much more effective to say, do you want to tell me more about it? And what if they don't say anything? Is there another way to open up the conversation? Yeah. I mean, this is such a tricky thing, right? I mean, when when there are big celebrity suicides, we think like, okay, right now I'm going to get on top of this and I'm going to check in with all my friends and family until, you know, the next news cycle comes or the next shiny object comes along and and we sort of stop talking about it. Um, But we can... As a, as a daily practice, as a life practice, we can be talking with friends and family about how hard it is to be here sometimes. We can be talking, um, sharing our own experience of, um, you know, I'm feeling really sad today. I could use some company. Um, any of those things sort of give us a well to draw from when we're feeling overwhelmed ourselves. If your friend is feeling overwhelmed, they know already that you're a good person to talk to because you're not going to try to talk them out of their feelings, but you're really just going to hear them. So the time to prepare for our friends having a hard time is like always, always be building these relationships where we can tell the truth about what hurts and not be shamed or dismissed or cheered out of it. Is part of the problem about not wanting to talk about it or not knowing what to say the fact that we don't want the responsibility of saying the wrong thing? 
Yeah. Gosh, that's such a lot of pressure, isn't it? And we have this feeling that um, everything in the world hinges on the one thing that we say. And we feel really helpless in the face of somebody's pain. We're certainly not trained in our culture to um, respond to it in effective ways. And we think it's our job to fix it. Now, of course, we feel helpless and nervous and under a lot of pressure if we're believing that our job is to fix things and make somebody feel better. We right. can't do that. Our, is our job to be the sounding board or just somebody to listen so they can vent? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think our job is to offer someone companionship no matter what is going on in their lives and not to fix it. I mean, the reality here is you can't fix it, but you can put your put yourself, put your time and your attention and your listening ear and your compassion right down beside what somebody is suffering with or wrestling with and don't turn away from it. I was doing a lot of reading this weekend, as I mentioned earlier on, and uh, one of the interesting things that I came across was an executive VP of uh, External Affairs for the Depression and Bipolar Alliance in the States says that you can't trigger suicide, uh, suicidal thinking by asking. So if a friend seems like they're going to harm themselves, you should straight up ask, are you, you thinking of harming ask. yourself? Yeah, you should definitely straight up ask. I mean, I, I think that's absolutely 100% true. If you are worried for somebody's safety, ask them. The worst thing that's going to happen is they're going to say, um, are you crazy? I would never do that, right? But, I mean, what's the worst that can happen if you don't ask? Right. And apparently when they're, when they're joking about it or just a casual mention of suicide, that actually might be a cry for help. You need to pay oh, attention. Sure. You want to take all of that stuff seriously, right? And it's okay to be awkward. It's okay to say, this feels really weird for me to ask you or to bring up, but I care about you and I want to make sure that you're safe. Can we talk about this? You know, it's interesting that you bring up it's okay to feel awkward because to be completely honest with everyone listening and with you, I feel awkward having this conversation with you and you're an expert, but I just, I know there's people listening and God forbid I, I say the wrong thing or they hear the wrong thing. And, you know, I mean, is there, are we... Are we putting too much self-importance, you know, on our, you know, with regard to this topic on ourselves, you know, uh, where we really can't control anything? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be perfect and to be saviors. And any time we put that kind of pressure on ourselves, we increase our awkwardness, our shyness. And, you know, just, just like any other emotional challenge, that feeling of awkwardness can make us not say anything, right? I, I always think, like, if you feel awkward, you're going in the right direction because it means you're doing something new and uncomfortable. And we need a new and uncomfortable series of discussions about what it means to be human and what it means to feel overwhelmed by life sometimes and what it means to care for each other inside of that. It should feel awkward because it's new. One of the most, uh, you know, shocking things about Anthony Bourdain taking his life was the fact that, you know, this is a guy that we watched on TV. I was a big fan. He he was not, he did not shy away from being awkward, did not shy away from being vulnerable, and yet seemed incredibly confident. Like, if I was a friend of Anthony Bourdain's, I'd never think to say, even though I know that he was a, a heroin addict at one time in his life and he had some demons and he mentions that, I would never think to say, hey, are you okay? Is that you know, something that we should be aware of, that those friends that seem like they are okay could be uh, largely at risk? And how do we know that they're at risk? Yeah, those are also all good questions. There was a meme that was going around actually after Kate Spade died um, saying, check on your quote-unquote strong friends. Check on your strong friends, right? How do you do that? 
Yeah, there, well, there is always um, sort of a, a rush of checking in on everybody when we see a celebrity suicide, right? It's sort of the, the cause of the moment we check in on each other. Um, but we don't, you don't always recognize when somebody is suffering or when somebody is struggling. This is, again, part of our um, pain-averse culture. We believe that happiness is the sign of health, that you should always look like you have everything together and you're mm-hmm. doing fine. So there's a lot of suffering under the surface. And as a, a friend or a family member or an ally, you don't, you don't have to be omniscient, right? Like it's, you can't see what someone isn't showing you. I work with a lot of people who are surviving after the death of somebody who died by suicide, and I can tell you that that relentless questioning, that relentless guilt of why didn't I do more, why didn't I see it, why didn't I say something, a lot of times friends and family members have been saying something. They have been reaching out. They have been checking in, right? It's important to remember that you can't 100% prevent somebody's death by suicide. You cannot Megan, uh, you've got a book out. It's called It's Okay That You're Not Okay. Just give us a little uh, quick synopsis of what we can expect when we pick up that book. Yeah, this book really goes into the realities of grief, of how hard it is to be here. It talks about how we do grief in our Western culture and how um, how strange we are around it, um, this idea that you should be over it in six weeks or six months and go back to your normal, happy, sunny life. So it really talks about the realities of grief so that we know what's normal, what maybe isn't so normal, where you might need to get more support around it. And there's a whole section in the book on um, what friends and family can do to to more effectively support the people they care about. I really do think that we want to be of service. We want to be of support to the people we care about. We just don't know how. And until we start having real conversations about what it's like um, to, to lose those we love, we're never going to get what we want, which is for all of us to feel um, heard in our times of deep pain and to feel like we're giving effective support to the people we care about. Is that the one takeaway you'd like us to leave this conversation yeah. with? I think I think the big takeaway here is to start having awkward conversations and check in with yourself and check in with others. And it's it's okay to be uncomfortable, but do it anyway. Well, I really appreciate your time today. I, at times, a little bit uncomfortable and awkward for me, but uh, apparently we're on the right track. You are doing awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Megan. Thanks Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Cheers. By the way, if you or someone you know is in crisis and needs help, uh, the resources are available in case of any emergency. Call 911. You already know that. But the Canadian Association for Suicide Prevention, Depression, Hurts, and Kids Help Phone are there for you. Uh, 1-800-668-6868. Just remember 6868. 1-800-668-6868. All offering ways for getting help if you or someone you know is suffering from mental health issues. And there are a lot of people that you may or may not know that are suffering and just need an ear. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.